Well, I went to an Ian Moss concert about a month ago here in Dubbo. Ian Moss was the lead guitarist of the band Cold Chisel. He's doing a solo tour at the moment, and uh, he is an amazing musician. It really is incredible what he can do on a guitar. And at the end of the concert, uh, people gave him a standing ovation. Uh, Mossy then left the stage. Uh, the clapping and the cheering, it just kept going. Eventually he came back out. He played for another 20 or 30 minutes, another standing ovation. And uh, he deserved it. Uh, he had done all that hard work over many years in becoming such an accomplished guitarist. He'd played for us all by himself all night. This was his moment, his glory, and I, for one, was glad to give it to him. We're starting a new series in the book of Philippians this morning, and Paul opens his letter by talking about how God is doing a great work, and there's a time coming when he'll rightly receive the glory for it. But it won't be a little bit of glory for a little concert he put on. On this day, God will receive all the glory. Because it'll be the end of history and God will have done all the work in seeing his people safely brought to himself and so he will receive all the glory. We're looking at big picture stuff this morning and what we'll see is that those as those who have been caught up into God's grand plans we're the people of joy. I'm hoping that as uh, uh, Sophie read out the verses a little bit earlier, you would have noticed that there's a lot of emotion in this passage. Paul is brimming with joy because of God's work, both God's work in the past for his people and God's future work in his people. It is amazing to be caught up in God's plans. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at God's past work and his future work in his people and the joy that he brings. And then we'll see that when you know God's work in his people, it moves us to live for what God is doing in us. So first, let's look at Paul's joy in God's past work. We'll pick it up in verse three. Have a look at verse three. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. It's a very warm opening, isn't it? This is you know, hardly a token hello or even a I've been praying for you. It's every time I pray for you. I can't help but spill over into thanksgiving and joy. And what is it about the Philippians that Paul is just beside himself? Look at verse 5. Because... Of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. It's their partnership in the gospel that brings Paul all this joy. And notice that it's something that's happened in the past between them. They'd been partners in the gospel from the first day until now. And this was something that God had done in them. Look at verse 5 again. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you in the past will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, at the end of verse 6 there, Paul speaks of God's future work, carrying it on to completion. We'll get to that. But just see how Paul describes the Philippians becoming partners in the gospel with Paul. It's that it's a work that God began in them back in the past 
We read about it in Acts chapter 16. That's when the Philippians became Christians. Uh, We read in Acts that Paul arrived in Philippi. He preached the gospel and there was a rich uh, cloth merchant named Lydia. She put her faith in Christ. So did a Roman uh, jailer who almost committed suicide when God broke Paul out of his jail, as well as a slave girl who could tell the future, plus others we're not told about specifically. And these people had believed from that first day they'd put their faith in the Lord Jesus. But not only that, God had been at work in them right up until the time of Paul writing this letter. As he says, the Philippians had been partners with him in the gospel from the first day until now it had actually been some five or ten years between the time of Paul going to Philippi and him now writing this letter now the reason Paul had to leave them in the first place was because he got kicked out of town people hated what he was saying about Jesus and they threw him out and that left the Philippians on their own after just a short time they left to fend for themselves now would they survive would they stick at following Christ Or would they cave in to the pressure of those who kicked Paul out? Well, in that first five to ten years, they did hang in there. God had begun a good work in them. And this partnership in Christ that God had given to Paul with the Philippians, it was a source of great joy. Now, you can be partners in all sorts of things, can't you? Uh, You can be partners in crime. I'm not suggesting you do that. At school, you can be given partners you know, to work on assignments or experiments. You can be a business partner. All sorts of things can bring together people together in partnership, though not all of them bring joy. Partnership in the gospel, that brings joy. To be closely involved together in the truth of Jesus, that can bring people together. That we would know the God of the universe together. Knowing his forgiveness together, knowing his plans and to work together to see more and more people come to know this God with us, to join together in the work of God himself, to work together for someone so great. What a privilege, what a a joy. I found it hard to think of someone that every single one of us would profoundly respect. So for this illustration, if the Queen is not your cup of tea, please bear with me. Just insert someone else that you greatly admire, greatly respect. So I want you to imagine if the Queen wrote us a letter here at DPC and he's wanting us, sorry, she's wanting us, sorry Queen, she's wanting us to work with her. Out of all the organisations in the world, she chose little old Dubbo Prezies. And she wanted us to be her representatives at functions throughout Europe for the next three months. Seriously, imagine if the Queen wanted all of us to go and work with her. And she says she'll pay for it all. All our flights, children and all. She'll cover all our expenses. She'll pay us our wages. All at her expense, the Queen wants us to work with her. And we're going. Now that would be extraordinary. There would be a buzz about the place, wouldn't there? We're all going to work for the Queen in Europe. Well, Paul and the Philippians, they weren't called by God to be partners with the Queen or an emperor. But partners in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And 
God paid for it all. Even at the expense of his son. Even though it meant his life being drained from his body, Jesus Christ died to bring us to God, to be his people, to work together as partners in his gospel. It's extraordinary. There should be a buzz about the place. What a privilege, what an honour, what a joy that God himself would do that for us. But not only did God's work in the Philippians in the past bring Paul joy, that he'd made them Christians right up until that day, it was also knowing God's future work in them that brought him great joy. That God would keep them as Christians right until the very end. Because God has a future in store for his people. He has set a day when the Lord Jesus will return to earth. It's called the day of Christ. And God is at work in his people to see that they continue to follow the Lord Jesus until he comes. And that's wonderful. Because friends, you want to be there, safe in Christ, for the day of Christ. Pick it up in verse 4 again. Look at verse 4 again. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Friends, it's one thing to start following Jesus, but it is for nothing if you don't keep following Christ until he comes again. Because the day of Christ is the day that the Lord Jesus returns for his people and he comes to judge and to destroy all those who oppose him and his people. And when Christ obliterates sin and death and evil and unbelievers on that day, Christ will bring his people into a new world. A world without sin, a world without tragedy, a world without death, a world without even complication. Because it'll be a world flooded with God's love and and peace and joy, a world where God's people are free to, to enjoy God's perfect rule forever. The day of Christ is the day when God will wipe away all our troubles. He'll wipe away our tears. When, when all of God's people from the living and the dead will be united in a glorious family reunion to live forever face to face with God himself, with all of his goodness and his splendor lavished upon his people. And so to have confidence that God himself is at work in his people, making sure that they'll be there on that day. What could bring you more joy other than the day of Christ itself? I always pray with joy, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Knowing that you're going somewhere can bring you great joy. When I was in year eight at school, I made it into the 13 years boys athletics relay team, four of us in the team. And the furthest that we could go in competition was the state athletics carnival. That, the state carnival was for us like the Olympics. It was the biggest competition we could go to and we had set our hearts on making it. 
We trained four lunchtimes a week. We convinced one of the teachers at school to coach us every single one of those lunchtimes. All we wanted was to make it to state. But to get there, we had to be one of the two fastest teams in our entire region. So first, we had to even qualify for the regional carnival and then come either first or second. Well, we made it to the regional carnival. It came time for our race on the day. I was the first runner in our team. All of our dreams were about to become real or get crushed in the next 60 seconds. I can remember almost fainting on the starting line. I was so nervous. And at the end of the race, when our team crossed the line in second place, I can still remember my delirium. I have never felt so happy about coming second. (laughs) To know that we were actually going to the state carnival. Friends, if I can be filled with joy about knowing that I'm going to an athletics carnival, what about knowing that we're going to the day of Christ? Paul was confident that the Philippians were going there, confident that God would carry on his work to completion, that God would see them keep their trust in Christ until the end. That's a reason for joy. Now, why was Paul so confident about the Philippians? Why was he sure that God was working in them to keep them following Christ? It was because the Philippians willingly shared in Paul's hardships for the gospel. They were willing to stand alongside Paul in his sufferings for Christ. They kept believing in Christ even when the going got tough. Have a look at verse 7. Verse 7, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me. It's right that Paul should feel joy and confidence about the Philippians because they shared in Christ with Paul, whether he was free to preach the gospel or whether he was in jail for preaching the gospel. Through good times and bad, the Philippians stood by Paul, willing to cop the same treatment. And the fact that they persevered in Christ, even when things got rough, it was evidence that God was at work in them. God was keeping them faithful to Christ. God was bringing them safely to the day of Christ. God's work in his people, that is something to rejoice in. But more than rejoicing, it's something to live for. God's future work of seeing his people continue in their faith in Christ. Well, if you're one of God's people, then what else would you do but live in line with what God is doing in your life? And from verse 9, Paul says this is exactly what he's been praying for the Philippians. He's praying that they'll live out this great work of God in them, that the work of God will bear much fruit in their lives, that they'll live as those who are going to be there on the day of Christ. So what does this work of God look like? Well, to see us safely on the day of Christ, first off, it's God seeing our love abound in knowledge. Have a look at verse 9. Verse 9, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Paul's praying that the Philippians' love would grow, but notice the particular growth that Paul prays for. It's for their love to grow in knowledge. 
It's praying that they would know what to love. That they would know what are the things that God would have them desire and that they love those things. That their love would grow in knowledge. Now you can try and love in ignorance. Like uh, getting someone a cup of tea. And you know, you, you, you just go and get it for them. White with one. But when you give it to them, you discover that actually they have their tea black with none. Now, it was a nice thought to go and get them a cup of tea, but love with knowledge would be much better, wouldn't it? Well, God wants our love of him and of one another to grow in knowledge. Now, why would he want that? So that we'd be able to work out what's best. Have a look at verse 9 again. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best. The ESV translation says, so that we may approve what is excellent. Love growing in knowledge leads to not just knowing what's best, but approving of it, desiring it, choosing it. This is a prayer for an upturned life, a life where God is at work, shaping our hearts and minds, that we would be loving others in the truth of Christ. We would be approving and choosing of what is the best things and the excellent things. In other words, it's a prayer that God would so work in his people to see us growing more and more like Christ because he's taking us to the day of Christ. That's where we're going. And so Paul's prayer is that God would work in his people to live this out until the day of Christ. Look at verse 10 again. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. This prayer is all about God completing his work in us. Seeing us pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filling us with the fruit of righteousness. And notice it there, that the fruit of righteousness in verse 11, it comes through Jesus Christ. Not through hard work, but through Christ. It is all God's work in us. To see us live out his plans for us. Seeing us pure and blameless on the day of Christ. And when that day comes, and may it be soon... When that day comes, of course, it'll be God who receives all the praise and the glory because it'll all be because of his work. Halfway through verse 10. And may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Because it's God who began a good work in us. God who's seeing that work to completion. It's God who's making sure his people will continue trusting in Christ until the day of Christ. It's all God's work. And so it'll all be to his praise and glory. At the end of the Ian Moss concert I went to, the gathered audience, we acknowledged him and we gave him his due. But there wasn't that many of us there and All we could muster was some loud clapping, a few whistles and a lot of cheering. But on the day of Christ, all creation will be gathered before him. 
the living and the dead will assemble before him and all will confess with one voice that he is Lord. God's work will have reached its stunning conclusion. His work will be completed and he'll receive all the glory. And so, friends, as those who have been made ready for that day, we live now for the glory of God. As Paul saw the Philippians in terms of God's work in them, that's the way we're to see each other. We're to delight in the things of God together. So, for example, when we hear of one of us getting, say, a job promotion, that might be well and good, but it might not. Because it might be seducing them away from Christ. Now, you'd have to see, wouldn't you? But if it was, then their job promotion wouldn't be any reason for joy at all, would it? Now, we don't see each other in terms of the world's glory. We see each other in terms of God's glory, his work in us. So when we hear how some of us are persevering in our faith in Christ despite our doubts, or how one of us is committed to keeping on talking to their friend about Jesus, even though all their other workmates are ribbing them about being a Christian. Or when a dying brother looks death in the face and doesn't flinch because his confidence is in Christ. Or when we hear the children in our church family boldly declare their allegiance to the Lord Jesus, when any of us take our stand in Christ, That's what gives us joy. The way we think about each other is to be in terms of God's work, his glory in us. And it's also to be the way we pray. The prayer that we just worked through in verses 9 to 11. Why not use that prayer during the week? Spend some time this week praying for your church family using these verses as a guide. Friends, in our prayers, let's not be small-minded. Don't just pray for someone that they'll get over their cold. That's nice, don't get me wrong. But can you see how these verses are lifting our eyes to see the grand plans of God? Let's pray big prayers. Come before your heavenly Father and ours and ask him to do his good work in us, that God would see his work to completion, that he'd bring us safely in Christ to the day of Christ and that we would bring him glory both now and forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask, please, work in us that our love would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. That, Father, we would be able to discern what is best. That, Father, you would be filling us with the fruit of righteousness that you would see us pure and blameless on the day of Christ, so that, Father, both now and forever, everything about us would bring you so richly your praise and glory. And we ask it in nothing less than the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.